Alright, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset, where we create Catholic content for Catholics. Today, we have Father Rafael Capo. He is Vice President for Mission at St. Thomas University, Papal Missionary of Mercy, a priest of the Archdiocese of Miami, and a National Eucharistic Preacher, supporting the new um, Eucharistic Revival Movement by the U.S. Conference of Bishops, right? That's correct? That's correct, Yep. Welcome on the show, Father. How are you doing today? Thank you, Alejandro. Uh, happy to uh, join you today for your your podcast and and join all all your followers uh, and those who are listening. Happy to join you. I'm excited. I'm excited because we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. We're going to talk about your mission. We're going to talk about some of the things you're teaching, some of the things you're doing. And we're going to the Eucharistic Revival, so I'm excited. Absolutely. Um, before we begin, would you mind leading us in prayer? Yes, let's do that. Let us open our hearts to uh, to the Lord that accompanies us along the way. And let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of infinite mercy, you gave us your, your Son, your risen Son, to give us life. And we ask you to grant us that gift of life with a missionary spirit to send us forth to encounter our sisters and brothers to proclaim life and grace in your son, Jesus Christ, to walk with them in friendship, to listen to their hopes and dreams with compassion, to proclaim your word with carriage so that they might not know to come you once again, just as the disciples on their way to Emmaus in the breaking of bread. Make all of us missionary disciples. Stay with us always, Lord, as we seek to share the joy of the gospel. We ask you this with burning hearts filled with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and through the loving intercession of our Blessed Mother. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. So we have an icebreaker question for you. Uh, oh, you we... do? Okay. <laughs> yes. Not so, a problem. What does your heart desire the most? What does my heart desire the most? It is absolutely to love and serve the Lord and love and serve others just as Christ loved us. Absolutely. To become a reflection of Christ's love for others. And that's the reason of my life and my vocation. And all I do in my ministry and as a son of God, yeah, absolutely, to love and serve. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So let's dive right in. Tell me. Talk to me about your ministry. You're doing a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I've been a priest for 25 years. It's going to be 26 in the coming months. And uh, in my years of ministry, I've been uh, dedicated in a very special and intentional way to ministry with young people and education. Um, as a priest in the world of education and, and young people. And that has led me to serve in education in K-12 schools as teacher, campus minister, uh, as a uh, school president, 
working with uh, street children in Mexico, with immigrant young people in, in Rome. After years of uh, dedicating myself as a priest in education, um, the Southeast bishops, the bishops of Southeast USA appointed me uh, director of their office for Hispanic ministry, which has headquarters here in Miami, which uh, the short name is CEPI, the Southeast Pastoral Institute. Uh, the bishops uh, appointed me to lead that organization. And I was there for, for 10 years, uh, leading their efforts in evangelization, formation, uh, empowering young Latinos in a special way to serve the church and the world and, and society. And uh, it connected the, it connects the dioceses from Florida up to North Carolina, to Kentucky, Tennessee, down to Louisiana. It's nine states, 30 dioceses. And uh, a priority is formation and young people. So I was happy to serve in that organization for, for the Southeast bishops and making an impact, not just in the Southeast, but also connecting with the rest of the nation, Hispanic Latino ministry, connecting with Latin America and, and efforts uh, for evangelization in the wider church and the universal church. And that's when Pope Francis appointed me a missionary of mercy to uh, be a messenger of his message of, of mercy, the joy of the gospel, to preach and, and also take that with the, with the sacrament of reconciliation in a very special way. And uh, after years of serving here uh, in Miami and uh, throughout the Southeast and that organization, our Archbishop Wenski, my Archbishop, I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Miami, asked me to uh, come to St. Thomas University as Vice President for Mission and Ministry and the Dean of the School of Theology. So St. Thomas University is uh, a diocesan university that out of Miami uh, builds bridges in education throughout the nation and, and Latin America in a special way, just what Miami is, a city of building bridges. And I've been here for, for now for two years, serving uh, the young people here and connecting in all our, our efforts in education that uh, are taking, for example, our School of Theology to uh, develop online programs to form young people in, in theology. And also I've been connected to so many other initiatives in ministry um, as advisor to national organizations for Hispanic Youth and Adult Ministry, for World Youth Day, and uh, now the U.S. bishops uh, also appointed me one of their national Eucharistic preachers, one of 50 pre uh, priests in the nation that will be part of this process of, uh, of reviving our belief in the, in the Eucharist and, and our encounter with Christ and in the, in the Eucharist. So, so that's been kind of my ministry throughout the years with a very uh, passionate heart uh, in formation, education, and young people. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I have so many questions about the things that you do because it's a lot. So I'm thinking, yeah. what? let's talk about the Eucharistic revival. Perfect. How did, how did that come to be? I know there's a need. I mean, we, I spoke to, yeah. uh, to uh, Father Roger Landry you know, also yeah, on his, yeah, yeah, he wrote an article and that's when I first discovered that uh, seven out of 10 um, Catholics in the United States don't believe in the real presence. 
right? Which is, which is part of the part of the, but it's part of the mission to kind of like change those numbers. Yeah. So there's a couple things that that were happening. Yeah, we're saying that seven out of ten Catholics don't believe in the real presence, but I don't know how they frame the questions, how they there might be nuances to that. But in any case, there's a problem happening. And it's not just in the belief of Christ and the Eucharist, but it's a wider problem of belief, of of connecting with God, of our of a personal encounter with Christ and, and his church. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the US bishops decided to to do something and not just stand there all worried. And the bishops thought of uh, doing a process, not just an event. They had the experience of doing a process with Hispanic Latinos in the nation that uh, has been called the Encuentro for Hispanic Ministry. And it was a process of evangelization, of going out to the peripheries, to going out to Catholic communities all over the nation, consulting uh, Latinos all throughout the nation, those that are in the pews and those that are not in the pews, and gather the information from the parish level, sending those results to diocesan level, then gathering at regional levels throughout the nation to keep the reflection going, and then putting everything together at a national level in a national encuentro. From that national encuentro of Hispanic ministry, the bishops are now coming up with a national pastoral plan to implement changes, to implement uh, programs, to implement resources, to to do something. So bishops had that experience that is still going on with the implementation of the encuentro. So they thought it's not just doing an event. We have to do a process that will engage everyone throughout the nation several years, working from the grassroots to the national level, and then from the national level down to the grassroots again. And they, they, they came up with the Eucharistic revival process that will have uh, pastoral and formation and prayer experiences at the local level, at the diocesan level, and then will take us to regions and to the national level with a national Eucharistic Congress. Did you know that the uh, what? A, do you know what a Eucharistic Congress is? You know. Maybe we need to tell our, our followers here. So a a Eucharistic Congress is a huge gathering where Catholics express their their faith in Christ and His presence in the Eucharist. The first Eucharistic Congress uh, happened in Europe, in Paris, in 1881, if I'm not mistaken, gathering people from many countries. And then the church instituted that, having those Eucharistic Congresses as ways of reflecting, of walking together, and coming near the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist, expressing it as a, as a community, as church. And we had a big Eucharistic Congress here in the United States, the last one, was in 1976, during the bicentennial year of the Declaration of Independence. Hmm. So guess where that was held? It was held in Philadelphia. 
and Catholics from all over the nation gather in Philadelphia for a week of events where we had events of formation, reflection, Catholic leaders from around the nation gathered, and we had other Christians join us on the process as well. Even uh, the president back then, I think it was President Ford, joined uh, the Eucharistic Congress to uh, share a reflection on the church's role in, in charity and serving others and setting up the table for others. There were famous people there like Mother Teresa and a papal delegate, a cardinal from, War from uh, Krakow in Poland. You know who I'm talking about, St. John Paul II, uh -huh. who would become Pope, yeah. So it was an amazing event. So the bishop said, we're going to have another Eucharistic Congress, a national Eucharistic Congress. This time it's going to be in Philadelphia, in, sorry, in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And from that National Eucharistic Congress, then we'll have initiatives that will trickle down and will impact the local dioceses and communities. And as part of that, a team of priests are being uh, commissioned as Eucharistic preachers to get the word out, to get the people on fire, to uh, preach the message, the joy of the, of the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and, and, and present the Eucharist as presence, sacrifice, and communion for, for the church. So that's, that's the process, and I'm, I'm on fire for that, that we're working uh, to share this joy with, with our church and, and our peoples. I think it's a great movement. And uh, like when you mentioned before, I think that understanding a little bit more about the way the questions were formed, how the study came about, because I it doesn't it certainly does not feel like seven yeah. out of ten, you know, from my parish. I was recently in Costa Rica, you know, with um, my girlfriend and her family, and I was sitting very close to the front where I was able to see people to receive the Eucharist, and I saw a lot more reverence in receiving the Eucharist, a lot more passion, a little and so. It definitely doesn't feel like that. So, but still, I think that the movement is awesome, and I think that it will give everybody a deeper understanding of of the Eucharist. Yes. So, how how would you explain to people the the Eucharist? We're centering in three aspects: to get the word out and the message, uh, to get people to understand that presence of Christ and the mystery of the of the Eucharist that has been a gift of the Lord to the church by giving himself on the cross. He gave us the sacrifice of the Eucharist as, as a continuation and the presence of, of that sacrifice. So there are three uh, very important words, presence, sacrifice, and communion that define the Eucharist. And the Eucharist that was given to us in the Last Supper by Christ, telling the apostles to do this, in commemoration of me, of what he was going to do the next day, giving his body and blood on the cross, announcing that sacrifice mm -hmm. until he comes again, mm -hmm. is the mystery of the Eucharist. That is a mystery of, of presence, where Christ is really present, his body, blood, soul, and divinity present there in the, in the sacrament. Every time we celebrate Mass, every time we celebrate the Eucharist, but then, when he remains present in the tabernacle for us, as a, as a sign of his continued presence until he comes again. So first presence, then, then sacrifice. 
it's it's not just a table of fraternity, which is the Eucharist is also a table of fraternity. It's a table where we come together as brothers and sisters. It is above all a table of sacrifice where Christ gives himself and we renew in in a mysterious way this the the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that was made once and for all and it's a, our way of uniting ourselves to that sacrifice in a in a mysterious and profound profound way that we need to rediscover and keep keep rediscovering in our christian life so it's a table of sacrifice and then it's also a table of communion where we where we gather as brothers and sisters and in that table of communion we're first in communion well we're in communion with the body of christ and being in communion with the body of christ first of all is that communion that unity with christ himself who's present there and we're united to him and when we receive the eucharist we're united to the to christ but it's communion with the body of christ and the body of christ christ is the head and the church is his body so we're not just in communion with christ the head but with christ the body it expresses our unity as church and and we see that at mass when we go on that procession going towards communion everyone together everyone celebrating everyone in communion but it is also a table of communion because it sends us forth to go in communion to serve the Lord. That Lord that we receive, just as the disciples on their way to Emmaus, they are united in communion with Christ. They discover him present in the breaking of the bread. But then the Lord kind of disappears. And they have to continue the journey in communion to share that message of joy. To share that they have receive that presence so it's presence sacrifice and communion three things that we need to uh keep discovering and rediscover throughout the eucharistic revival so when you mean that christ is the head and we the church are the body are we are we one with christ or are we is there Absolutely. A, so is there Absolutely. like are we separate or are we one no we're united and this is this is the theology that and the and and the message of of, of the gospel and the and the letters of saint paul uh the first christians ex, uh experienced the celebration of the eucharist as this being in unity with the body of christ it is expressed in a beautiful way in the early church fathers for example saint john chrysostom who was a bishop in Constantinople, he, uh, in one of his ancient homilies, he explains, he talks about the Eucharist, about it being the body of Christ. In this whole sense, in being united with Christ, the head, but also with the body of Christ that is the church. And he explains it in a beautiful way, but also in a in a powerful and demanding way for us. He says, he's, he's talking to those that are very pious and go to mass and to celebrate the Eucharist, but then forget about the body of Christ that is the church. And he refers in a concrete way to the poor. 
Mm. He tells, how can you go and worship and recognize Christ present on the altar? And how can you set up the finest linen for the altar, prepare the finest cups and chalices with gold and silver to contain the precious body and blood of Christ, but then forget about that body of Christ that is suffering, shivering with cold at the door of the church. And you forget about Christ that is present there. And it's, it's, it's some powerful homilies of, of the early church fathers talking about this, but I, I never forget that homily of St. John Chrysostom saying that about how you set up a beautiful liturgy, but then you forget to do the same for the poor because Christ is also present there in his body, which is the church. So from what you've said, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, and I kind of understand, I like the presence, the sacrifice and the communion, but from your personal experience in, in your missions, can you share with us some of concrete examples from that? Uh, sure. There, there, oh, I would have so many stories to share with you, but um, maybe one that had very concrete uh, fruits and connections in my ministry uh, was at, uh, for example, World Youth Day with Pope Francis. Uh in Rio, in in Brazil, I I took a group of young young adults from from Miami and from the southeast. Maybe you know that uh, World Youth Day, the the highlight of World Youth Day is is a Eucharistic vigil that prepares for the closing mass with a send off on the last day. Every World Youth Day has that Eucharistic vigil where young people adore Christ in the, in, in the Eucharist together with the Holy Father. And then they camp at that site. They uh, spend the night there in, in a campsite waiting for the closing mass the next morning. So I took this uh, group of young people from Miami and the Brazilian people were amazing in their hospitality and preparing the venues. There were millions of young people there, literally. And uh, the problem was that the the days prior to World Youth Day, it started raining and raining and raining and raining in, in Rio. And the grounds that were set up for, for the vigil and the closing mass were flooded. Uh, literally, the grounds became like the Everglades <laughs> with, with alligators coming out, like literally. <laughs> yes, it was chaos. So, so everything that they had set up with the stage, with with places for um, different groups to to put out their tents and camp, everything, it was all ruined, and they have to improvise along the beach in Copacabana in Rio. So we went there for the for the Eucharistic vigil, and we had an amazing time of prayer in the presence of the Lord and the Eucharist, and Pope Francis leading us in. In, in worship and that Eucharistic vigil. But when, when the Eucharistic vigil ended, as young people were taking out their tents and preparing to camp there, it was not really prepared for that. And young people trying to move from one place to the other, trying to 
get to use facilities and trying to get food, it became a nightmare. And uh, my my young people, the, the, the girls in my group were scared to death of what was happening. And we had to decide to leave the, leave, leave those grounds. It took us like two hours to walk a short distance to, uh, in front of some hotels. And we, we sat there on the street and the young people were like, all sad. This is horrible. This is everyone silent. And I was thinking, Lord, how can you allow this to happen? After coming all the way here, after this beautiful moment of encounter with you, how can you let this tragedy happen? And at that moment, a, a woman appeared out of nowhere. And she comes out to me and she asked me, Father, what is your name? I was like, well, I'm Father Raphael. And she said, Father Raphael, remember you are loved. And then she took out a bracelet, put it on my wrist. Remember you are loved. Recuerda que eres amado. And then she started going one by one, asking their names, telling us that message. Remember you are loved. And that really made that presence of Christ that we had encountered in in the Eucharistic vigil to come out and, and, on, and set us on fire. And the young people said, Father, we're getting up early to get to the closing mass. And after the closing mass, they came back saying, Father, now we need to go out and go on a mission. Go as missionary disciples. And they did that. And they, they asked me to set up a missionary program to get formation and, and, and plan a program to go out and, and share this message with other young adults and young people. And they started going throughout the Southeast dioceses, sharing that message and sharing that their hearts were on fire for that person. Their hearts were burning uh, because of that encounter with Christ in the Eucharist. And they had to share that joy with, with other young people. So, so it was, an experience in a very concrete way of how how that presence leads to that going out on a mission. The the, the Rio Youth Conference was uh, several years ago, right? Yes, that was the very first year of Pope Francis's uh, pontificate, some months after he had just been elected pope. But the, the same thing happened in Panama, and. In a, in a different way with young people I took to Panama for World Youth Day. And uh, they also came out with a desire to, to go out on a mission and do something and share the message of that encounter with Christ uh, that they had at, at World Youth Day with other young people. So they did that and, and, and they were amazing. And still to this day, they're, they are going out. Hmm. You mentioned something that I think is important too for for the Eucharist is Eucharistic adoration, you know, and, and a lot of the things that you, that you read on, uh, on Jesus when he delivers messages to saints or, or, or the things that the mass is important, very important, but also he desires Eucharistic adoration. Yeah. The, both things are together. It's the presence of Christ. The Eucharist, uh, Vatican II calls it, it's the, the source and summit of Christian life source and summit. 
everything in the Christian life comes out of that presence of Christ in the Eucharist and leads us to that encounter with Christ at Mass in the, in, in the sacrifice where we receive that presence, but that remains there present for us to adore and be there with the Lord. So it's both things are together there that we cannot separate them. And, okay. uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Mass is in a way adoration of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's where we receive that presence and where we are united to that presence. But that presence prolongs itself in a mysterious way when we are there in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist in every corner of the world where there is a tabernacle. For, from your experience, what do you recommend people should um, maybe think or contemplate when they're approaching to receive the Eucharist during Mass? Instead of just hanging out in line and be like, oh, doo -doo -doo. <laughs> what, what, where should my mind be? I, I think it's, it's a, a special moment where us as Christians, we need to make an act of love, an act of, 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 of faith in Christ that is present there, saying how much we love him and how we want to experience God's love in that, in that moment of communion. It's opening our hearts to that presence. Maybe words are not the most important thing at times. It's mm. just like, think of a loving relationship between a man and a woman. Sometimes they don't need to express words to, to show that they love each other and just being there, but attentive of that presence, mm. a heart that is open to that presence. So it's the same thing between two lovers and opening and, and not being distracted mm. and not, not being distracted in a way that is not paying attention. It's, it's so sad when I see people coming out in line for communion in a way that they're, you know, they're distracted because they're not, they're not there. They're not. And when they open their hands or their, or, or their mouth to receive communion, if, if the heart's not there, you, you can tell at times. Mm. So it's, it's important as we, as we prepare for communion to go with a, an intentional heart that is open to, to God's love. So when, when we're consuming the Eucharist, after when we're in line, we receive the Eucharist. So are we always united with Christ or is it, is it more when we consume the Eucharist? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Okay, uh, maybe maybe what we need to uh, to explain is that there are different ways of how Christ is present. Vatican II talks about the different presences of Christ on the liturgy, and the different presences of Christ. Christ is present first in the church when when the church, the people of God, gather to pray. The Lord Himself tells us there where there are two or three present in my name i am there in the midst of them that that gathering together as church is a it's a way of christ being present but then there's also the way where christ is present every time his word is proclaimed and when we break open scripture christ becomes present in a in a way that opens our hearts to listening to god's word the lord is also present christ is also present in the person of the priest that is celebrating the sacraments for whenever the sacraments are, are celebrated, 
It is not the person of the priest performing this act of grace, but Christ that is present in a mysterious way in that man that has been anointed and that is doing this in persona Christi. It's Christ present there. So every time the priest says the words of the sacraments, every time the priest says, I baptize you, it's mm -hmm. not me, it's Christ. Mm. Every time I, the priest says, I absolve you, it's not the priest, it's Christ. Every time the priest says, take this, this is my body, this is my blood, it's not the priest, it's Christ saying those words. So every, every sacrament, the Christ is also present in the person of, of the priest. But Christ is present in a sublime and mysterious and ineffable way and in a way that we can't even explain in the Eucharist because his true present, real presence in his body and blood, soul and divinity are present in a real way in the celebration of the Eucharist. And the Lord tells us in many, many places in scripture, uh, in a beautiful way in chapter six of the gospel of St. John talking about, I am the bread of life. So, so when I consume the Eucharist, right, this is the body and blood in the presence of, of the real presence of Christ, then my body absorbs that Eucharist, right? So, and then the, the mystery is that that presence of Christ is just like the, the encounter of the risen Christ with the disciples on their way to Emmaus. They were disheartened. They were doubting. They encounter the risen Christ along the way. They first, at first, they don't recognize him, but the risen Christ starts breaking up scripture for them. And then he breaks bread, the, the gospel. And breaking bread is the expression the gospel uses for the Eucharist. So the Lord celebrates the Eucharist, gives his body and blood to them. Their hearts are burning. They discover, yes, it is the risen Lord. But then he disappears. And they need to continue the journey. They need to go to Emmaus. And they need to proclaim this truth. To continue encountering the Lord again. Whenever, whenever they break bread again. Can you tell me a little bit more about like Jesus chooses to use this, this you know, the bread and the food, trans transforming them into his blood and, and body, the act of eating, consuming, making part of ourselves. It's a beautiful way of Christ saying, I am there with you in, in, in the most simple things and the most basic things that are part of your life. And sh sharing a meal is a sign of many things. It's a sign of, of joy when we gather to share a meal with others, right? Whenever we have a joyous moment or we, where we're in family, we it's not just talking. Whenever we have a meal together, it's, it's sharing something in a, in a deeper way. We consume those, those foods, those drinks, and we, we make them part of who I am. They become one with me, what I eat. It's that mystery, Christ wanting us to make him part of us. And it's, it's a beautiful way in which bread and wine being the most simple things in the time of Christ are a sign of, yes, I want to be with you in the most simple things in your everyday life. 
and to be with you and be united, be united with you. It's a beautiful reality for us. Absolutely. You know, beautiful reality. And it's a beautiful reality that when we discover this reality, Christian life cannot remain the same. What, what about the soul? I, I know I've heard also that the Eucharist is food for the soul. You know, can you expand on that? Yes. Okay. So the Eucharist is food for the journey. Uh, there is an ancient word in Latin that uh, we use for, for the Eucharist when it is brought to those who are dying, uh, those who are in their last moments and they receive the last rites, they receive the anointing of the sick, preparing them for, for the final journey. And the word is viaticum, viaticum. And it, it literally means food for the journey. So the Eucharist is that food that we receive for this journey that is not just a journey for the soul. It is indeed food for the soul, but we're not just soul. We're body, we're, we're mind, and we're soul. We're this unity that everything is connected. But I, I prefer saying it is food for the journey in our journey, that we go in body, mind, and spirit, body, mind, and soul. In that unity, we go journey towards that final encounter with Christ. After we face that encounter here in the Eucharist, we'll face him. We'll be face-to-face -face with that loving encounter with Christ when we meet him at the end of our journey. So food for the journey. I like it. Thank you, Father. I know that, I know that we're running out of time. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I have one more question uh, that we'd like to ask here on Catholic sure. Mindset is what is your favorite part of your faith? My favorite part of my faith. My favorite part of my faith is that it is not just something personal where I experience the love of God in my, in, in my humility, in my life, but that it makes me a missionary of that love and that it takes me to share that love and that, uh, that presence and, and that joy with others and that it takes me everywhere I go. Then I become a messenger. I become one who is sharing that love of Christ. And so I am, I am so passionate that the Lord has given me this vocation and this ministry and this faith that makes me to witness to his love, not just when I'm at the altar, not just when I'm preaching the word or I'm celebrating mass, but it is, I'm being a witness of God's love where I'm at the university with the students on campus, when I'm at the gym training and with other young people, where I'm with family or friends, wherever I am, I am a witness of that love. Father, thank you. It's been great having you on the show to learn about your mission, what you're doing, and this uh, this deep dive, I guess, in the Eucharist, which is important. And uh, thank you so much, Father, for breaking that down for us and taking the time to join us. Sure. Thank you. Keep up the good work and look forward to joining you again in the future. <laughs>